This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network with myself, Paul Butler Lennox. You're all very welcome along. Uh, Rap Chat is sponsored by sound organizations that uh, see the value in what we do uh, Wildcard Distribution, Film Equipment Store, and Octavid.com. Um, if you'd like to support Film Network Ireland and the work that we do in general terms, um, that is our podcast our events and various different bits and pieces that we do, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Uh, Rap Chat is available on the headstuffpodcast.com, Headstuff Plus, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get all your lovely audio content. Uh, today, today we're joined by, um, we've been doing some work over the last uh, number of weeks to try to get an uh, an active representation of of the guilds and the unions uh, in this country together, um, I suppose to give it a, to 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 give it a voice um, and to show that there are um, professional human beings behind these organisations that are there to assist you and to show you that um, they're there to represent you and to help you in your in your journey in your professional career across the board, and you know that old cliche or adage, depending on how you're looking at it, that stronger together thing really is the case in such a small country and industry here. And there's radical change uh, happening at the moment. And we all need to work together and we all need transparency and we all need to know who is behind um, organisations, business organisations, working in film and TV, and everybody needs to work together uh, to to create an open dialogue, and that's part of this series we've been working on over the last while. Today, we're joined by um, Jerry O'Brien, who's uh, president of Irish Actors Equity. Hi. Hello, sir. How are you? Very well. And we're joined by Vice President Melissa Nolan. How's, hey. How's it going? <laughs> well, welcome along. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Irish Actors Equity is it's, it's a trade union, essentially, um, and everybody needs a trade union. You don't think you do? But you you find that you you need it quite quickly sometimes if you're not signed <laughs> up to it. Uh, it represents actors and people working in related fields, uh, entertainment fields, theatre and visual arts in Ireland. It was founded in 1941 uh, by Liam Liam Redmond among others, uh, and it was known as uh, Wama. Wama. Wham! I prefer that name. Can you it's cool. back yeah. Writers, writers, actors, artists, musicians association. Mm. And actually, I just um, we've taken the actors out of the. Uh, it's actually Irish Equity now, so it's not act, uh, Irish actors. Yeah, it's for all performers. It's performers, for all performers yeah. who, who who work and make their living yeah. uh, standing in front of people or in front of cameras, and you know, it's to help educate them and protect their rights because that's something that a lot of actors don't realise, our performers don't realise they have, mm -hmm. they have legislative rights. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me a little bit about your roles and what, what, what that entails? Maybe, Melissa. So, first and foremost, um, everyone on the executives there by volunteer. And uh, we volunteer because we're very passionate about the industry. Mm -hmm. 
you want to learn, you want to change, you want uh, to bring about, you know, better rights and better terms and conditions for our arts workers. Uh, in my, I suppose, my day to day or week to week, um, I'm very supportive of, of Jerry. Uh, so almost like a shadowing role. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we speak most days in relation to what we have to do that week, what we'd like to do uh, in the month. Okay. Um, but also, I suppose my other brief uh, would be that I've put myself forward for the communication aspect. So the social media um, so I suppose in the executive that we've kind of delegated uh, our skill sets to uh, to meet uh, what we can and can't do. Okay. Uh, so um, anything like project related, um, you know, is my strength uh, so that I would probably put together kind of campaigns. So, you know, work together with um, the, I suppose, the comm section of SIP2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I suppose as a, as a collective, as a as a executive group, then, you know, we come together to, uh, I suppose, to push what campaigns we want to do for the next week, next month. Um, but again, certainly from from VP role, it's definitely to shadow uh, Jerry uh, and to, I suppose, to learn because I'm still learning in the yeah. industry and I well, will continue cool, to learn for oh, the next absolutely. 40 years. Uh, and I'm very much enjoying it. Um, yes, it is a challenge. Absolutely. Um, because you're stepping into areas that um, you know, the, it could blow up in your face, but th- the idea is to empower people, empower ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's there's a there's a long stretch, uh, there's a long road ahead of us uh, to try and make, uh, I suppose, a better terms and conditions for our workers on the island of of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I have to say, I'm very impressed with n- not the rebrand, but this. You know, this this. this it seems as if uh, Irish equity is so much more visible now. Oh, I agree. Not uh, not any less important than it was before, but more visible, certainly. I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of those ghosts in the machine at this stage because I joined equity back in 1971. <laughs> yeah. So mm. I have seen equity go through various sort of reincarnations and, and various rebrandings. And I've seen it through the bad times yeah. and the good times. And, you know, we were talking earlier about the history of equity. And equity started as a, as, as a, as a union for actors in... New York in about the early 1900s yeah. and about, a, I think it was about 130 actors got together and said they had enough of the way they were being treated by the, the odd thing is, the Association of Theatre Managers mm. because they had a union and the actors didn't. So they got together and they, they lobbied and they began to get small little concessions and then about 1919 they had about 2,000 members. Not a lot if you consider the size of America at that stage, but they were beginning to be recognized as a trade union for, for artists and performers. Okay. And in 1919, they joined, they were recognized by the American labor movement as being a union. And they had their first taste of industrial action. <laughs> and they went on strike against the uh, theater managers in Broadway and in New York. And there are wonderful photographs online of some of the leading actors of the day dressed in their best uh, outfits, marching in protest behind union banners. Mm -hmm. And it became known as the revolt of the actors because they had enough of the bad treatment that they were having, that they were getting. And uh, they were supported by the the, the theatre maker because they had a separate union for, for uh, stage managers, etc. So the stage managers supported them and the musicians supported them. And they got their first five-year deal out of the theatre managers, which improved their lot. Mm-hmm. And, and that sort of inspired actors to, uh, to, to unionise, not just, just in that area. 
And you want to roll forward then a few years because, uh, I mean, the, the big thing in our industry here is film and television. So if you, if you go back to those early days, mm-hmm. in the early days in Hollywood, there were contract players. So they were owned by the studios. So they had very little power. And about, I think it was less than about 40 actors got together. And they said, this is all wrong. There's something wrong here. And that was the birth of Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. And they began to take on the producers as well. And, you know, the, the, they fought for better and better contracts. And, you know, that's how it all grew. And then in, in the UK, around the 1940s or something, they started with the West End actors got together. And then about 1941, here we had WAMA. So the whole idea of unionizing performers grew from that that sort of idea in the early 1900s. And it's 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 really, really important because... Actors are the most vulnerable of workforces because, you know, we're standing at the factory gate hoping that the boss is going to point to you and you and Mm -hmm. you. And because there's only a few of you, everybody, there's a danger that, you know, you're all going to undercut each other in the desperation to get the job. So what the union is trying to do and hopes to do and will do and has always done is to make sure that there's a basic protection so that you're not undercutting me and I'm not undercutting you. Because that doesn't work for the producers mm-hmm. and for the, the theatre, the, the, the employers, if you like. Um, having said that, there there is a huge sort of cooperative nature to the industry where, you know, as somebody said, you know, if you, if you take away a theatre building, you can still put on a play in the park. Mm-hmm. If you take away the stage, you can still put on a play mm-hmm. in the street. But if you take away the actors, you can't do anything. So you need actors within the industry. And and I'm hoping my job after the the AGM this year, which I actually view as finally a revolt of the actors in Ireland because we rejected something. And it it takes an awful lot for an actor to reject something um, because of our nature to accept everything. We have to accept every job. We have to accept every criticism. Mm -hmm. We have to accept every praise. We have to accept everything. So it's very hard for an individual actor to stand up and say, well, hold on a moment. I think I'm actually worth that. Mm. Because they'd be told, no, you're not, and they'll do it cheaper. Mm. So that's the difficulty that we have to do. Is this uh, a little bit of Irishness or, you know, I suppose uh, uh, 800 years of oppression um, mixed in with this, everything's grand. You could say that, but I think yeah. I think if you go to, if you go to any other arts industry around the world, you yeah. would have the same. You would have to probably the same issues where actors, arts workers, are fighting for parity on their terms and conditions. Um, you know, to to be able to live, to be able to. You know, to pay the mortgage, to pay the rent, to put the kids through school, to be able to pay bills, to be able to have a sustained living. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I mean, this is Ireland. This is a first world country. And yet <laughs> um, y- you have actors who uh, are performers who, you know, uh, are earning pittance, uh, literally peanuts. And unfortunately, then you have people uh, leaving the industry. Mm-hmm. Because they can't sustain that uh, that that model, mm-hmm. that living, um, and again, th- those who do remain in it, what's going to happen to them when they get into older age, where they can't pay rent because maybe they haven't had an opportunity of a mortgage? So that means then you're going to have to go to social welfare benefits. Uh, but you know, if the if there was terms and conditions 
uh, already in place for their 40 years of, of, of a career, mm -hmm. then th there might be then the opportunity to have residuals coming in each year. So they're not going to be pushed into homelessness. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even on a wider scale, um, you know, it has has huge ramifications um, if the terms and conditions aren't put into place. That is fair. Um, you know, and it's. It's just not good enough. Well, ostensibly, it's a parity issue, isn't it? How can, it is, it is about parity, yes. How can, for example, actors on a set, this is, um, maybe you can explain this to me, why this happens. Why are there two actors that are in similar roles on sets getting paid two different wages? How can that be? Uh, it's not that they're getting paid to it. It's they have different terms and conditions and they're treated differently mm. and particularly for Irish performers. And this is something that has bugged me for a long time. And it's because of bad collectively bargained agreements within a particular area. Mm -hmm. um, there's a very good uh, agreement in Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England that works, the UK Pact Equity Agreement that works. There's a very good agreement with Screen Actors Guild that works. And those, those agreements, they're, they're practised here and they're subsidised here. But unfortunately, and I have to be blunt about it, we, we made an agreement nearly 30 years ago, uh, which was the buyout agreement. And... Back then, it was probably sufficient if you were only exploiting work on the island of Ireland. It might have been okay. <laughs> now, mm. unfortunately for us, we didn't have the expertise and the foresight and the resources of, of, of being able to do financial projections based on all of the technology and what happens when we do a co-production here or do a co-production there. We as a union didn't have that. And mm -hmm. that was to the advantage of some players. So it was a Guinness lease scenario. It's pretty much like that. I mean, I, I you know, as I said earlier, there's legislation that actually protects us. And unfortunately, a lot of actors weren't totally aware of what that legislation was. And indeed, some legislators may not have been fully aware of what's going on. And I, I really don't understand why I walk on a set and I know that I won't receive residual payments 10 years later for, and yet, you know, a, a US actor will go back to his country and he will receive his residuals having been subsidised by the Irish state and a UK actor will go back and they will receive their residuals depending on the deal that's done. Okay. Now, it's, it's changing slightly because we're putting pressure and, and shining a spotlight on this. But I think every actor deserves to be treated equally on the set, particularly when they're going to be their work and their image is going to be exploited globally and is going to be part of creating the same revenue stream for the big universals or Paramounts or Disney's or whoever abroad. There's no reason why we shouldn't have that coming into us as well, because that would lift. I mean, the government is actually investing in a situation that lifts the, the, the boat that the performer lives in, which mm -hmm. is a, we, we earn very, very little in this country. It, it would actually lift it the more successful the film industry is. We would be lifted in the same way instead of just, uh, you know, uh, the production companies or the people who control the intellectual property. And that's why it comes back to that parity of terms, conditions of when I walk onto set, uh, that US actor or that, mm. uh, that UK actor, um, that they're on the same entry level you know, and then, you know, you can, you know, if you have that same entry level, then you, you negotiate upwards. Mm. Um, but it means then those terms and conditions are, um, there's, there's a quality there. And then that stops then the possibility of um, actors or performers, you know, leaving the industry because they've had a bad deal or a bad contract. But if you had good contracts, mm -hmm. then they're more likely to stay uh, in an industry where, 
they feel uh, there's dignity there, there's respect, um, and it's extremely transparent. Do you think it's 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 uh, you know a Chinese finger trap situation where they know they have us over a barrel to a degree, and then it's also affecting actors' opportunities as well because you because yeah. like you're not going to get a bigger gig because of residuals, so they're quite literally unofficially saying we're going to cast some from X, Y, and Z. Uh, as a result of that, how does like what can we do? What can we do collectively to fight against to to affect change in this way? Well, what, we, what what can we do? What can what can an actor on the street do? Someone just I, I think the actor. Well, I'm I'm you know I'm determined to fight this and bring this out this debate out into the public because it's a very difficult one and it's also very difficult for people to have any sympathy for actors or performers because when they see you on the television they think that you're minted. <laughs> now if I told you that the basic income for an actor is about 20 euro an hour on a major film you'd ask how is that you're earning thousands a day and you say well yeah no the bottom if you peel down into the way the payment is constructed mm -hmm. the basic income is about I think it was 216 on films at one stage for a film and that's for a 10-hour day. So that's about 21 euro an hour. Um, but what, what's put on top of that is what they call usage fees. And we have to sign contracts that agrees that that extra percentage, it's about 200% or so, that extra percentage, 280%, that extra percentage is actually all we will receive in royalties. That's your advance on the royalties for the 50 years that you own your property rights. So this is a debate that has to be had. How is, how is that working when, you know, I, don't, I have to accept a one-off payment and yet if there's a major star or somebody coming in from the United States, they will not work on those contracts. They'll work on their SAG contracts or they'll work on their UK contracts when they can. Now, we have to stop this nonsense of the actor subsidizing the industry as well. You know, we can't, we, you can't subsidize an industry with taxpayers' money and not demand that the, the legislative rights of all involved are treated equally. And then ask the Irish actor to subsidize from the bottom up mm. by signing away part of the revenue streams from those, those productions. So it's a very difficult, uh, piece of negotiation that has to be done and it has to be done I think in a fair and open way because I mean I I, I, I sort of talk to actors and they don't they don't know how the well, residual I, thing works well that's because a lot of agents sign their contracts for them no it's not that not, not, well I know that for a fact that that's happened mm. with me oh, over yeah. the years yeah. and you know there's I, I like I can only speak from my own experience but I feel I found out after the, the fact that contracts were signed on my behalf and I wasn't happy with them. Mm. Now, you know. Well, can I, may I, may I offer something there? You, you, you as an individual can be unhappy about the contract, but what would you as an individual do? Mm. But if you have an organization which is made up of lots of yous and you have somebody who understands and knows what these things are about mm -hmm. and you instruct those people people like Melissa, myself, and the current executive, you tell them, no, we want the same treatment as everybody else. Now, we represent and we have, you know, there's, there's been great growth in the, in the uh, union in the last couple of months. There's actually been very good uh, response. Mm -hmm. Now, according to um, revenue, there's something in the region of three and a half, four thousand actors supposed to be in Ireland, but I think there's more. I think there's a lot more. So could you imagine the how loud a voice of even 3,000 actors would be or 2,000 actors. 
Can you imagine if 2,000 actors stand up and say, I'm sorry, this is not good enough? Mm. And not undercut each other mm-hmm. and say, no, we want that, that level playing field. I think that would be really important. It's also important. I mean, if we have uh, an investment in a, in a huge audiovisual industry, and we seem to be talking about the audiovisual industry now, then it has to make a return to the state. It has to be worth something to the state because if I'm receiving those over the course of, of my lifetime or my career and it's a 50-year span, I'm going to be paying tax on that. Mm-hmm. So there's a return to the state on that. And even if it doesn't lift my income into a proper tax bracket because performers, performers first of all, pay tax, but a lot of them don't pay tax because they don't earn enough. So this this myth that artists don't pay taxes is, uh, <laughs> is something that always but it's, makes it's, it's me also, smile. It's also the stigmatisation of that as well. Actors feel as if what we do is less than yes. yeah. or is how we were perceived if we were going into sign on in between yeah. jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when are you going to get a real job? Are yeah, you still you doing the acting? All of that stigmatisation mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. with that. Um, it's starting to change. You can see the value, like the government are acknowledging it on some level. There is an organize, there are organizations like Minding Creative Minds, which are doing incredible yeah. work oh, in terms yes, of yeah. helping mm-hmm. that to, to, to make actors and performers and, and people working in the but, arts in general terms feel as if what they do is valuable. Oh, I agree. And only yeah. when you get to a point when we collectively feel as if what we do is more valuable, then we can move but how collectively much, together. But how forward. much of value did we place on our performers? Uh, during lockdown in terms of, you know, we turned to the online content, we turned to, uh, you know, musicians going into nursing homes, musicians going into to hospitals. Uh, we turned to those performers to almost lift ourselves out of um, just the dread of dealing with the lockdown. And uh, yet we, you know, uh, we herald Ireland as, you know, this vastly, uh, wealthy country of culture, mm-hmm. um, and yet we trade on it. We mm. absolutely <clears throat> trade on it, you know, and um, and yet when it trickles down, it actually is very very difficult to uh, as a performer to sustain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being in the industry. So I mean, certainly that, uh, and it comes back to the uh, universal basic income. Um, the, the lockdown definitely has shown that there's a huge gap. Uh, in 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 performers' wages and how we value mm-hmm. the performer. Yeah, um, when you look at ag- agreements that are made thirty years ago, how can how can wh- like first of all, I, I would say the, the obvious answer to that, to that question is if you're an actor or you claim to be a professional actor, you should be part of a union. Well, you have to that be. represents yeah. you. Yeah, you have to be. I mean, <clears throat> when I started out in the business, my the first target that I had as a young man working both as a stage manager in ASM and playing small parts, no small parts, <laughs> small <laughs> actors, uh, but, but playing the, the two and three line parts was to get enough experience together so that at the time I had to go down to a little office in Gardner Street and knock on the door and be intimidated by Dermot Doolan, who was the legendary <laughs> secretary of equity for many years. And eventually I got my my um, my provisional equity card. And that was, for me, uh, a validation that I was a professional performer. A, ba- I was a, a badge of honour. It was a it badge is, yeah. of honour. Yeah. An international badge yeah. of honour, you know. And, and uh, you know, but I mean, as I say, things changed and the whole idea of unions changed. And there was a whole generation of people who, who um, sort of said, oh, the unions don't mean anything. And that goes back to, you know, the actor's interest in the whole of society. But, you know, Maggie Thatcher, the end of the closed shop and trying to destroy unions because they were a threat. Mm-hmm. 
so we unfortunately in Ireland uh, took that very seriously. So people lost interest in unions. And in, in our profession, everybody said, well, you don't have to be a member of a union anymore. And they took that as being sort of, that's great. I can do anything I like now. Mm-hmm. But the thing was that they still came into the industry, not being a member of the union, knowing that there was a rate or, and I hate to use the word rate, but that there was a bottom line, a minimum that they could work at, which had been negotiated by the closed shop union. Mm-hmm. So they knew that that's sort of thing, that's the sort of money actors get paid. But with no union, then people began to say, well, we can't pay you that. You know, you're not a member of the union. And then slowly that floor fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and where, you know, where legal documents were needed for, you know, the transfer of rights and things like that, they would say, oh, that's the union. Agreed that. Well, we didn't. I think also as well, a lot of people, number one, they're not... People can't act on your behalf if they don't know what's happening to you. That's true. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of kind of like, and I know this over, and I'm going to be quite frank with you, you know, th- there's been criticism from people I know of all unions, including mm. oh, Irish yeah. Equity, yeah. you know. I'd but, have criticisms. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. right to do that. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody is right to do that, it, it has the right to do that and should do that. But if you're not involved in uh, if you, in, in the organisation, then you, you don't have a voice. Mm. You need to have a voice. You need to be heard. And then you can question these things. And you can also vote as well when you come to the AGM. And and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like what what piece of advice would you give um, to your younger selves um, when you were affected in a negative way or taken advantage of um, when you were younger? And how would... Um, equity help in those hypothetically in those situations? Um, I think definitely I suppose at the moment I would imagine and I would hope that if you had a problem or an issue or a query or a concern whatever it is that you would contact the uh, the union and say look even, a, even as not a even, even not as, as a member even as a non-member absolutely get some advice you have to get advice um, pick up the phone um, you know email try and you know uh, have a one-to-one I think to extend uh, that channel is very mm-hmm. very important, and um, yeah, that can that can be a that can be a security thing just for somebody to hear mm-hmm. what's what your concern is, um, and hopefully then you, the, the 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 problem is rectified, or maybe there's more that needs to be done. Maybe it's actually a serious issue where the the union has to step uh, step in and represent you, mm-hmm. give advice, maybe give legal advice, maybe then it has to maybe has to go to you know, labor court or whatever it is, you know, in, in terms of what that, that, that query is. Um, but for me, um, I've had to uh, ring, you know, the union a uh, few times in relation to maybe a contract query or mm-hmm. uh, maybe a situation in, in work situation. Um, and I've always found that uh, the information was, uh, my voice was heard, I found. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know about yourself, Jerry, but... Um, I've had, I, of, yeah, I mean, I, I take on board all the criticisms of equity over the years and they're from friends of mine and, mm-hmm. and people who may have been in the union and dropped off and said, oh, equity is no good. I would have an understanding of that um, because I've had experiences where equity failed me in, in what I, I went with a problem to and it didn't, it wasn't the resolution that I wanted, but it may have been the resolution that it was the only resolution mm-hmm. available. Yeah. Now... When that happens, you can do two things. You can either leave and, and go off muttering to yourself about what a useless bunch of wasters they are, taking eight euro a month off me and giving me no advice. Or you can stay and try to learn what went wrong. Mm. Yeah. And 
one of the things that I tend to do when something goes wrong is I go away, I won't mutter to myself, but I'll start delving into things and I look and say, why did that happen? How did that happen? Where did that come about? And as I said in the history, I know how we diverged from the mainstream with regard to contracts and audiovisual and the treatment of actors. Um, because my experience goes back. I do remember all the, and I'm, I'm talking about things that actors would understand here. I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, getting paid again when your program is retransmitted on television. And it was structured because years ago, RTE did exactly what the BBC did. It was the same contract. Uh, the film industry used to base all its assignment of rights based on what British Equity did because they had a knowledge and understanding that we didn't necessarily have for for international uh, exploitation. So I would remember all those things, and I know why and where and how things went wrong. So now I'm I'm at a stage where <laughs> he's very experienced. <laughs> he's no, I, I actually I actually don't, see. I'm one of the, there's a thing that actors have, and they're afraid to rock. I mean, it used to be a joke. You know, equity doesn't rock the boat because we wanted the film industry, and we wanted this, and we mm. wanted that, and and because of that, we became a very placid, you know, organisation. And we, everything that everybody said was, "Oh, that's good for you." You said, "Oh, that's great, thanks." Mm -hmm. And we thought it was. You mean I'm getting paid? Yeah, mm -hmm. even literally that. So there are huge, you know, structures and legislation and there's negotiation processes that have to be, you know, held within those those legislative uh, structures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going, hold on. So I think now I'm, I'm sort of, I've had enough. And the, the big fear that an actor has that, you know, if I say anything about it, I'll never be cast again. Yeah, that's well, true. And that's, that's, that's no use to anyone. I mean, I've actually gone through that and I'm still here and still alive and I still pay the ESP bill and I still give out and I still don't care. <laughs> you know, if yeah. I have a problem, I'll say it. But I think a young yeah. actor, and it, and it is a very real fear that is preyed mm -hmm. upon, mm -hmm. you know, by, by, by people, that you won't get into that big movie or you won't get into that audition and you won't get into that if you ask these questions. So because I don't care, get me to ask the questions. And you can do that if you remember the union because that's my job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But people do have to ask those questions. Absolutely. I mean, integrity in these scenarios are surely uh, the only thing that matters. The, the interesting thing for me is, as you know, when I talk about my colleagues and everything, the, the, I, I have never come across um, a more honest and a more vulnerable bunch of people because that's what we have to do. Mm -hmm. That's the tool of our trade. That and trust because when we walk out onto a stage, we have to trust each other. We have to trust the director. We have to trust the writer. We trust the lighting man. We trust the, the stage manager. And it's that trust that is there. Now, unfortunately, in a lot of areas, that trust has been taken up back alley and kicked to death on occasion. And I think, you know, we have to get that back. We have to start trusting ourselves again. And we have to start trusting the people who you know will, will speak on our behalf and not on others' behalf. And we have to be able to discern that. Um, you know, as I say, if we have, uh, like, most of our industry is subsidised by the state, either through the Arts Council or through the Film Board or through something else. So we have to ensure that if we're going to talk to, you know, whoever about our rights, then we have to talk to the legislators as well. Mm -hmm. um, because their responsibility is, uh, is to the citizens of the country. And actors, believe it or not, are citizens of Ireland. <laughs> and they do have rights. Mm -hmm. I, I, might draw, I might draw your attention to a story that semi-involved us, which made the national news recently about um, a certain political party um, looking for a voiceover for a campaign video mm -hmm. 
um, <laughs> price dumping the shite out of it, mm-hmm. essentially, bringing it right down to, like, yeah, just making a mockery of the whole process. What is your take on that, you, personally, maybe? Um, why is that allowed to happen? We operate a service online and through a Facebook group and stuff like that, but we very clearly demarcate whether something is paid or unpaid for transparency so people can go, mm-hmm. I don't work for free, so mm. I'm not going to read any further. So that's what we try and do and what we do. But someone took the piss that day mm-hmm. on a senior level. How can we stop that from happening happening again? And what do you think of that? Well, we had a meeting about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we made our position very clear that, you know, there are professional rates and there are people who do this for their living. And, you know, you see, we got a terrible sort of smack to the head a few years ago when somebody went to the competition authority and said actors were, you know, running a cartel. The actors were a cartel. And that had reverberations right across Europe and we're still dealing with it. I mean, uh, I, I'm because of my position, we're members of an organization called FIA, the, the Federation of International Actors, which is all the unions of actors across Europe. And they have uh, a presidium which lobbies within the European Union to make sure that, you know, all the rights of performers are, are protected. And we're part of that. Mm-hmm. So that's another aspect of, of, of one of the things about, you know, being a member of our union. The more we have, the more mm-hmm. we can do. But they, they said that we couldn't negotiate. So people then went, oh, well, who can negotiate? They, they're telling a trade union they can't negotiate is some, one thing. And it, re, it required huge efforts from SIP2 to actually, you know, lobby right up to the European level to correct and get the right to collective bargaining for actors back. So that's something that SIPTU will, you know, we should be grateful for that because it was a threat to all unions that, you know, if if that came about and if that was allowed to stand. So we got some legislative rights back. Mm -hmm. So there there are rates, there are professional rates. Um, You can't stop somebody from working for 10 euro or 50 euro if they want Mm-hmm. But I can say, and I'll say it quite honestly, and I'll say it with Melissa here, and I'll say it to a lot of other my, my colleagues who do work in this industry, that if you want the best, then you pay the rate. Mm-hmm. You pay for the best. I don't want a job, and I don't want any of my colleagues ever getting a job because they're cheap. I want them to get the job because they're the best at what they do. And they should be paid for that. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I do know that, you know, the nature of the industry is that there are far more people who want to act than than there are positions for actors. So, yes, you have to, you know, realize that there is that strata. And, you know, I can't condemn or, or, or give out to anybody for doing it. But just be aware that you can come somewhere and say, well, there's a rate here. Know your value. Know, the know rate. your value. Know, know your worth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the rates. Know the yeah. rates. Like for something as simple as voice, look, there's a voiceover calculator on Voice Talent Ireland, for example. Someone if quotes wants a quote for a job, mm. do a rough estimate. Know what, on average mm-hmm. what you should be getting paid for something mm-hmm. like that. Especially people starting out in voiceover. People constantly come to me in voiceover, in particular. Oh yeah. Should I do it for this? What what's the story with that? Um, know what 
you're supposed to be paid, regardless of your experience. Oh, yeah, and that, that, the interesting thing about the voiceover calculator is that uh, how voiceovers were negotiated. It's based. It's actually based on the legislation, of the Copyright Act, and the right when you, when you broadcast because you have to get you know you have to get paid if somebody is using your voice on a platform. So if you want an all platform deal. If you look at it, all the percentages are broken down with the different uh, radio stations. And that's mm -hmm. because you're paid the studio fee. But then if somebody wants to use you on one particular station or another particular station, the box, or all of, the box. Yeah. there are percentages that have to be paid because an artist has to be paid for the use and exploitation of their work. Mm -hmm. So that's why mm -hmm. that's there. Do you know what I mean? It is there because there's legislation that says if you're broadcasting a small performance, and that's what a voiceover is, on a particular platform, you have to get paid for it. Can I ask you a very sim sim simplistic question for mm. people who may not be aware of it? What should actors be paid for a day's work on a professional set? That's well, well as I told you, there there are minimums, and then it's calculated back up into usages. Um, I could, I, I mean, I can give you figures, but they won't make sense unless you actually see this, the the the. But is it is a, is it a how long is a piece of string? And yes, it is. It's 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 yeah. You see, the way the, the the minimum is very low, and it is up to that's the only thing that we can be involved in is the minimum. Mm -hmm. Now, an actor who has fifty years experience or ten years experience or twenty years experience, they should be able to, with their agents, to leverage their experience. There's a lovely line in one of the, the UK contracts that says that an actor shall negotiate above these minimums based on their experience, their standing in the community and their commitment to the production. Mm -hmm. So that means that if you're going to have to give six months to a TV series, you're not going to be able to do a lot of other work. So therefore, that six months has to be worth something and your agent would be able to calculate that. If you're, you know, an actor of 50 years experience and you're going to do one episode, you should be able to have some sort of uplift in your career. I mean, if you're working in the civil service after 50 years, you're going to have a higher salary than somebody coming in. Mm -hmm. But not for actors, because they say you're on the same rate. And this is the, <laughs> this, is the, this use of the word minimum and rate. Mm -hmm. And I get very angry when, when people come up to me, well, we're paying the equity rate. And, you know, you have to go, so you're paying the minimum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. paying the least amount you can get away with. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, would, I would expect... Maybe I'm no good. Maybe I'm an awful actor. I don't know. I would expect that I could negotiate a bit more after, you know, X number of TV series, X number of experience and radio and blah, 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 oh, and 50 years and walk on a set and deliver uh, a line, even on a daily rate, that I should be getting more than, uh, but not, not below the minimum. But I'd be able to negotiate and leverage that experience with my agent and the producer. There's a, just, just talking about daily rates, there's a, I mean, Michael Caine, uh, many, many years ago in an interview, he said, uh, somebody was asking about how hard it was for him, how hard acting was. And he said, oh, for me, he said, it's easy because I'm a lead actor. He said, I go in. He said, but the, the, the really hard job for, in acting, he said, are the guys who come in for one or two days. And they have to play a scene where we've been working with the producer and the director for months and we've had the script and the writers will talk to us and tell us and we know who our character is and we know the story and we go in. But then you get an actor who may have to deliver an incredibly difficult scene with us, has to do it in one day, put on his hat and coat and go home. And when you see the film, it's seamless because he's so good at what he does. So you've got to respect the, the, the sort of uh, the work that's done. Mm -hmm. And and one of the one of the things I was, I was touching on it earlier, it's very difficult for actors to gain any sympathy if they're talking about money. 
because people think, oh, you're having fun. That's great. That's, mm -hmm. You dress up and you go out for a day. And it, it is difficult for the public to get their head around the fact that, you know, actually we might want to get paid because we eat and pay tax and pay for ESB and pay for those mm -hmm. things as well. And that's my profession. Yeah, there's the perception that all we talk about mm -hmm. is money. And the reason behind that is because we're so little of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, what was it? It was George Bernard show. I'm not sure who said it, but I think he said, when you get a room full of bankers, all they do is talk about art. And when you get a room full of artists, all they do is talk about money. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Um, I'll, there's one or two other bits I want to um, touch upon before, and then I'll let you both of you go. Um, when asked, if, if people have any questions about anything, they should email. They should. Absolutely. Mm. And, yeah. and, and just in terms of agencies and stuff as well. If you're with an agent or, or you're about to sign on with a prospective agent and they tell you that they would prefer that you weren't with uh, um, Irish Equity, what should people do about that? Can I, can I, well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that most of the agents now will tell you after the, after the last AGM mm. because we saved a lot of people from a very bad agreement. Um, and... and <clears throat> I think most of the agents are now saying, you know, join equity. But I want to say something about that because I want to reach out to the non-equity people who have heard all the rumours and said, oh, things are rubbish and all the garbage and things like that. We have a percentage of people, uh, there's a huge percentage of actors out there who don't have representation, yeah. who don't have agents to protect them. Mm -hmm. So the very first form of protection they're going to get to prevent them being overly exploited, who will, you know, and... and an organization that can give them some advice. They may not solve all the problems, but they can give them some advice mm -hmm. so they won't make the same mistake again and again and again. The only place they can go now where actors look after actors, I mean, apart from this wonderful organization, but, but as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, that's our brief, is to join equity. It's to join a union. Mm -hmm. And for younger actors who want to go away, um, the first thing they'll do if they go to, you know, the UK is they'll get an invitation to join the union. Mm -hmm. And they will. But, you know, we're here. We work closely through FIA with our colleagues in, in, in the UK. We work very closely with Screen Actors Guild in America. Um, I've met with the, the secretary a number of times as the vice president. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in touch. We talk to each other. So if you don't have an agent... The first line of defense on your rights and on your journey as a professional actor is your union. And if you're not going to go to the UK and you want to stay here at home and live in this country, your country, and have your rights protected, then who better to protect them than other actors? Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> I'll wrap this up. I, I don't want to keep you all day. Just by um, just speaking a little bit about... Um, Tom Hickey, who mm -hmm. passed away recently. Yeah. Um, um, Tom has been a mainstay in the Irish uh, theatrical family for over yeah. 50 years. Or um, you, you might know him from from the Reardons. Those of you who... Benji. Don't, don't, Benji played Benji mm -hmm. in, the, in the Reardons. And such a multifaceted, skilled, empathetic man. Um Jerry, I might ask you about any experiences you've had with him. Yeah, I go, this, this goes back to, uh, I, I worked in the Gate Theatre in the 70s and I worked on a play by Hugh Leonard, which was, I think it was directed by Godfrey Quigley, uh, for Godfrey Quigley's own company called um, A Walk on the Water. And it was set during, during wartime um, and it had a great cast. And Tom was in it. 
uh, and it was going on tour because Godfrey Quigley ran what they called dinner theatre then. <laughs> so you went, it, it was down to the Talbot Hotel in Wexford and uh, we were down in Wexford and no matter where Tom Hickey went, you know, somebody would recognise him. You'd find people falling out <laughs> of hedges saying, how are you, Benji? And they'd run <laughs> after him in the street. To... But we were walking down the, the boardwalk um, of, of in, in Wexford, that great boardwalk. It's lovely. Uh, it's a lovely walk. And a bus screeched to a halt. Uh, a regular sort of intercity bus. And it screeched to a halt. And people fell out of the bus. And and Tom Hickey just went, oh, Jesus, here we go, Jer. Here we go. And he was great with them for a few minutes. But they were they were really ganging around him. And on on the, 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 the uh, you know, more to the boardwalk, there was an old light ship, which was uh, the Maritime Museum. And it had everything from dried out old spiders to <laughs> whatever, a, a conch shell or something. Uh, and, and Hickey said, oh, listen, Jer, come on, follow me, follow me, follow me. And uh, we went down the gangplank of this place and, and the, the, the people couldn't follow. They, they couldn't get in because they had to pay to get in. So we paid the money to go in and we spent about half an hour, as I said, in somebody looking at very interesting things. <laughs> uh, and eventually he said, you know, go up there, said, see if they're gone, see if they're gone. He said, go on, see if they're gone. So we went up and, and I, I'd look around and said, yeah, they're gone, Tom, their own bus is gone. I said, oh, Jesus, right. He said, they're lovely, he said, but, you know, sometimes you just want to be on your own. So we walked, we walked back then and, and there was a, a pub on the corner called Banville's from the hotel and we went in there and we sat down and had our pints and had a chat and he just went, oh, Jesus, it's tough being Benji. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he was a, a lovely, lovely, kind, kind man. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think it's a testament to. I, I think he uh, embodied the spirit of what the best actors are, and that's warm, engaging, empathetic mentors. Oh yeah. Mm. So how important is being a mentor, and how important is Irish Equity at ostensibly being an organisation of mentors to help creative people? Melissa. Well, I think um, again, it comes back to kind of empowering people. Um, being able to say, actually, I have a question about my contract. What does this mean? And mm -hmm. um, being able to feel that they can go to the to the to their union or to their union mm -hmm. and ask those questions. Um, you know, and that door should always be open. Um, you know, for me, um, you know, the communication between the actor or the performer and the union it should be based on trust. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I think um, I think that platform should always be there. Um, if anyone needs adv advice on, on something, um, again, representation, because should you ever need to go to your union um, because of a bad contract, bad situation, um, then the door should always be open. And I would hope that uh, that would be uh, reciprocated again. Like, it, I mean, today I had an actor uh, speaking to an actor in relation to a, a voiceover um, offer that was sent to them by a organization, a TV organization, and the offer was for 50 quid um, for voiceover. The magical 50 quid. The magical 50 quid. Just think what you could do with that. You know, and um, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, it's insulting, um, and unfortunately you might get somebody that will just go, you know what, I need that 50 quid. Mm. Um, and that's the unfortunate position that performers are in. Now, she, thankfully she didn't take it, uh, but she was uh, brilliant enough to be able to come to us, explain what it was, 
And now we're able to, uh, we're going to go and uh, investigate that now. Yeah, even be further. brave. Yeah. I mean, be brave enough to, you know, have the courage of your convictions. Mm -hmm. You know, many times I've, you know, personally as well, if something is incorrect, I'll put my hand up sometimes. Even, you know, to, to the detriment of some jobs, I, oh, yeah. I felt, yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel as if has I, happened to me. I've, I've been there. <clears throat> I've lost a number of film jobs because I stood up and said I wanted to be treated equally. Um, and in, in one case to some uh, some of my colleagues and friends from the UK who were working over here and they're subsidised by the state and I said I want the same terms and conditions in my contract as those people and they said no the famous one is oh we'll move on sorry sorry it didn't work <laughs> out this time Jerry. Yeah. good luck mm -hmm. but I mean this is the point I, I don't care so uh, the thing is people have to stop being afraid of losing that one day because one of the things that they hold over actors is oh you know that's a great opportunity Mm. Yeah. Well, is it? You know, I mean, I actually had somebody <laughs> say to me one time when they were trying to underpay me, said, yeah, but look, think about it. You know, you could, and this was somebody who was receiving a lot of money from the state. They said, you you, you know, th there could be a director staying in a hotel in Dublin and they might see that on, on, on the television. Exposure. And <laughs> exposure. And I said, what are the chances of that now? <laughs> and they would cast you in some big Hollywood movie. But, you know, the, the, the ludicrousness of, mm. of, of some of the things that they've come up with, the, with their reasoning mm. to get you to take a job that is badly paid or unfair. Not, not, there's no badly paid job. There's an, there's an unfairly paid job. And I think that, you know, un until we, with regard to mentoring, the thing I want to do is to, is, is to make actors stand up and say, look people in the eyes, hold on, what's that worth to you so that I know what it's worth to me mm -hmm. to give you that? Mm -hmm. But we, the way we break that is by tra is, is conversations like this. With absolutely. Trans yeah. Absolutely. And saying, this is what I get for that. There is yeah. a bit of, there, in the creative arts and in, in film and TV, there's, there is a bit of, well, I know what I'm getting. Yeah. What are they? You see, this, this, is, this is the big thing. Actors are afraid to say what they're getting. I mean, if me saying like, you know, it's, it's 216 a day performance fee. That's for a 10 hour day. Uh, 11 hours if you include lunchtime, which is not paid. So it's 10 hours. That's £21.60 a day. It's the minimum performance fee that an Irish actor will get on a major film if they're working on the minimum rate. Mm -hmm. Now, everything else above that is about, you know, permissions to use and exploit, which are different things. So that's that's the extra. That's what people are thinking. Oh, you're paid 500 a day or 100. That's, you know, they think you're paid thousands a day. You're not. Yeah. You know, and I think we have to stand up and say, sorry, no, it's no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so respect, respect what we do. Absolutely. Have respect and, for yourself. Have respect for yourself. Yeah. And empower yeah. yourself as well. Yeah. Ask the questions, um, you know, um, talk amongst yourselves. Um, you know, you only have to Google what's going on in other countries in relation mm. to performers' rights. And it's all there. Um, you know, my stomach is grumbling <gasps> there. <laughs> we were just talking about this earlier. That's the starving actor, you see. <laughs> they were the best of <laughs> Um, but again, it's um, contact the union if you have a, um, um, a query. I just want to talk about the Benevolent Fund. Please do. Oh, yes. Brilliant. Um, so um, the Benel Benevolent Fund. If I could just cut across yeah, it quickly. We did something. Um, we did a special episode a while ago and we did something with the act with the with the charity group. Um, and we had screen skills on and we talked about the UK Benevolent Fund. Mm. Yeah. And it's shocking how long that existed in oh, the yes. UK and never existed here. But can I tell you something about how that's funded? <clears throat> a lot of the time you get some actors who will actually donate their residual payments for mm. a film. Into, the, into yeah, the fund. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so Benevolent Fund, um, it's open to our members. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that um, the idea there really is if our members are in a financial <coughs> difficulty or a crisis, that they would come to us. Uh, there's a there's a form to fill in and it's, it's you know, it's it's um, totally only, anonymous. Totally anonymous. <coughs> yeah. So nobody knows. There's there's two people um, that deal with the applications, which are the, the trustees, which is Anne Russell at the moment and, and Brian Murray. Um, so the rest of the executive don't know the details. And it's really then it's just I suppose it's just a bit of maybe a bit of a lifeline mm-hmm. in terms of if you find yourself in a financial difficulty uh, as a member, the option there is to come to us with the application, you know, and uh, hopefully then we'll be able to look after you. And there's no shame involved in doing Jesus, something no, like that. Jesus, no, absolutely not. No, no, no. 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 So the the um, the email will be equity equityasip2.ie. Great. Yeah. Um, guys, if you're curious, just our listeners, if you're curious there, I would say just hop on the website, go over to Irish, irishequity.ie um, and you'll find Irish Equity um, on Twitter and Instagram at, at irishequity. Have a look at the website, ask questions, mm-hmm. ask questions of equity, ask questions of yeah. yourself and ask questions of others. Um, thanks so much for your time and, today. And sorry, I'm just going to say something. I, well, I'm generally <laughs> around the city centre. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who knows, because I don't know everybody, but quite a few people know me. You know, if you're not a member of equity, come up and talk to me. Mm-hmm. If you are a member of equity, buy me coffee. <laughs> also, can I, am, am yeah, I, yeah. no, we're going to get in No, everything. no, no, no. Uh, there's a five-year student rate. Ah, that's so the second. graduates yeah. that are coming out from the Gaiety and the Lair and DIT and stuff like that, uh, please contact again equity at zip2.ie. The, uh, the it's you know five euro is is nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because whatever we do is to make life better for them. Yeah. One last thing: um, should actors who who are let's say more experienced or have bigger profiles who are not registered with Equity be members of Equity? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm and I'm, I, I come from a generation I would know a lot of the big names, if you like, who are no longer in this country making, you know, having really good careers and fair play to them outside. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I, I'm of the opinion that if I was in that position, it, it's my, my duty to reach back and offer my hand out to the guy starting. Yeah. Because, you know, the profile of our union is, is we need we, I'm not going to mention names, but we know we need those people to come back. As I said just now, it's about making life better for the for the young actor who's starting their first year in in Trinity or the Lear or down yeah. in Galway or in Cork. If they're going to invest three years because they're you know they were inspired by a performance by some of our uh, colleagues in a Hollywood movie, and they said I can do that, then I I believe passionately that those people. You know, there's a set, I think there's a duty on them to actually reach back and say, we can help make things a little bit better mm-hmm. for those students. So, yes, I would say to to uh, to all of my colleagues, and I know some of them from a generation ago, uh, yeah, just, you know, just rejoin. Reach out to me. Just join because you can and you will make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Cheers. Um, I really appreciate your time today. You're um, welcome, Paul. Yeah, thanks a um, lot, Guys, we're going to finish uh, today's episode. Um, um as a small tribute to uh, Tom Hickey by um, playing the audio from a performance of his uh, performance in The Gallant John Joe. Oh, brilliant. By Tom McIntyre, uh, performed by the man himself. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. Sit back, sit back. 
the bastard done it. The Chinese, what runs? The chipper below. God forgive me, was I the one encouraged her to take the job with her? I know it was him. Didn't I walk her to the chipper first day she clocked in? He couldn't wait. Seen it with me own two eyes. He couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to get her upstairs or backstairs or wherever he deep fries his thrombone. Match the jeans, boss man is advising. DMA, they can do that nowadays. Oh, thanks, Lord Noel, says I to myself. Match the jeans. The jeans is matched, says I, too fucking well matched. Am I to spend the last years of me days watching, putting up with, the child of a daughter of mine walking this town like... Like the great-grandson of some pigtail Confucius you'd swim into a lake to get out of the way of. You might as well be talking to a chest of drawers. There's strange things happens every day of the week clock in that kitchen. Put out a lot of money for it. Lubulous dial and all. That clock stopped the exact hour Jacinta went out the door. Her big departure when she vanished for good and all. A quarter past nine a Thursday, last Thursday week. I looked at that clock and says, I, Christ protect me. I wonder should I leave it as it was until Jacinta lands back in the full of her health. No, 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 no. I looks it to the clocks and watches man below on the town, Joe Armstrong, who opens it up. What happened this clock, says he? How would I know, says I? Beyond repair, says he. It's like the insides of it was in a traffic accident of odious velocities. Resulting in a right off. And he closed it up. Now it's back on the dresser. Time? Quarter past nine last Thursday week. Jesus, spare me. tell what came over that woman of mine. She was a young Miss Ireland. Broke hearts like they were capines. Capines you throw on the fire. Then she falls in with John Johan Kahneman. I flung a halter on her. A job, but I done it. We get shackled. And then what happens? She'd Rose, Rita and Jacinta all in a rush. Then lay down and give up. God rest her soul. I mine her as well as bread. Not a day passes, but I see her looking out that kitchen window. Daughters and mothers, mothers and daughters. Mostly mystery is how I describe them. Mystery mostly. Maybe meant to be that way, so as they can slap more spells on you. They're a fearsome bag of spells, the female women. Fearsome. Fearsome, fearsome, fearsome.
Did you ever read the Bible? Did you? Did you ever read about the famous escape goat in the Bible? Could be the hazard in the Quran too, boss man. A grand book, I'm certain sure, is in your possession. Mohammed wrote it. The story of the famous escape goat. If a duke falls, breaks all spilt, it wasn't the wind done. You need your escape goat, right? Right. Gather the stones, there's a pack of yous in it. Gather the stones, now you're thrashing. Finger your victim, no bother. Always one handy. Sun never rose a day, yet there wasn't one waiting the mallet. Grand. Drive your chosen to the crossroads, spa. Lots of bawling and shouting to whip up bile and blister. Oh, and the screeching of yous when you start the stoning. Are you there, boss man? Are yous there, the lies? Are yous comfortable there in the cosy of your crossroads crowd? Are yous furnished with your stones? Lift your arms now. Fire them, flail them, peg them, throng them, till the victim drops, pulp and flitters a skin. Then you are free to go home, leave the crossroads its cargo. Home with us now, scrub your paws, sleep your fill and wake the morrow. And that's the famous story of the escape goat from out of the Bible. In the month of November on a cold and stormy day I left my old home and to town made my way I met with it a young man on the road I would go and he told me this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.